Well, last week we stepped into a what culturally could be considered a, a minefield. I think we did it without even most of us really realizing it, uh, without even us really catching it. I think probably because it was at the end of the sermon, I wasn't expounding on the point just a, a whole lot, but the reality is is that the, the sermon today is really... That's uh, one I, I I didn't look forward to giving. I didn't look forward to giving it when I thought it was going to be directed at wives. But as I wrote the sermon Saturday and finished out the, the sermon, I came to a realization that I needed pullback before we get into the to the passages to come, to the passages that deal with wives and husbands and parents and children and employers and employees. Before we get to that, I needed to step back. And look at Paul's final statement as he described what it is to be filled with the Spirit. And the reality is, is that I found myself not wanting to submit to the Spirit's leading in this. And as I did that, it became clear to me that we as a church struggle with the idea of submission. It's really a cultural issue. I mean, it's something that that's all around us. But before I get into that, let's let's read the passage. Let's get it in our minds. Let's have the words fresh in our in our, in our minds and our hearts. And we'll just go from there. We'll see where the Lord leads us. Ephesians 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. We'll read through verse 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything in God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now before I teach any further on that, I want you to hear this. I want you to, I want you to remember the context with which this resides, with where, where this verse, this, this short statement lives. Paul is speaking with authority. Remember how the letter started. I mean, this is still the letter to the Ephesians, and he's still writing, and he still is the apostle that was sent from God. He has God's authority. He's able to say this and expect people to respond. It's, it's not just a letter to, to Ephesians. I want you to think back to that very first message. I told you that the reality is that in the earliest and oldest manuscripts, the reality is, is that the, the, the city's name, Ephesus, is not even there. Now, there are plenty of manuscripts in which it was, and so we know that the letter was eventually sent to Ephesus and at some point went to Ephesus, but it wasn't only ever sent to Ephesus. When Paul wrote this letter, he wasn't thinking about just the struggle that the Ephesians were having. He was thinking about the struggles of Christians. And you know who that includes? You and me. These are general purposes and, and, and specific commands to all of Christians to live the Christian life. Paul, having taught the gospel clearly, having demonstrated the mystery of the gospel being revealed, then turns and begins to tell us that we are to live in a manner worthy. Not that we are worthy, but to live like we are. To not, to, to not engage in the things that the Gentiles engage in. To put off the old and put on the new. To be filled with the Spirit. To submit. I don't know. I, I feel like in our culture, 
There should almost be a gasp. He said that word in church. It's the S word. You mean I don't get to be my own boss? I don't get to rule my own world. I don't get to be the master of my own domain. I'll say it again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're commanded to this. It's not an option. He didn't give us, he didn't say if you feel like it. He didn't make it as if it was an opinion. He, he stated it, do this. As you are filled with the Spirit, in fact, being filled with the Spirit, you will submit. In fact, if you're not submitting to one another, at some level you have to own the fact that you're not filled with the Spirit. You're not submitting under His authority. You're not living under His influence. You're not living in His power. You're not living under His purposes and perspectives. It's difficult. It's difficult to submit. In the Greek, the word is hupotasso. It's in the middle voice, which means that it's not passive, which, which if it was passive, it's something that's really we're called to, but we can't accomplish completely on our own. If it's an active voice, it's something that, that would have been done to us. For example, God subjects people to His authority. He's the highest authority, so He can do that. There's nobody that can question it. But in, in that voice, it is something that is done to you. But in this middle voice, it is a willful action that you, that I, that Christians are called to. It's a voluntarily, it's voluntarily placing yourself under another. It's a military word in arranging in order. There's a recognition of, of, of a flow of authority and a ranking of authority. And he doesn't say, you who are the lowest submit. He says to every Christian, Submit. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to step back just a little bit before we go any further. And I'm going, to, I'm going to strive to encourage you. If you're here today and you're not a believer, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I, I, I don't want to call you to this submission. If you've never trusted in Christ, this submission to, to, to the church, to Christians, to, to one another, it doesn't apply to you yet. Paul is talking to the church. He is saying Christians willfully recognize the interests and needs of others as more important than your own. He's saying Christians quit trying to get your own way, but work just as hard as you do for your own way for another's best interest. He's saying Christians give up your own will, give up your own selfish desires, give up your own perspectives so that we together Hear it so that we together can live in God's will. So that we together can live under His authority. But wouldn't you agree with this? This flies in the face of everything that we're taught all our lives. This flies in the face of the American culture. It flies in the face of who we are. Now, our attitude is typically one that no one should be able to tell me what to do as long as I'm not impeding on the rights of others. 
as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I should be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and nobody else has a right to tell me any different. And yet now you're telling me that I'm supposed to give up myself for others? It flies in the face of it. It's, it's totally different than what we've always perceived. You see, in fact, in fact, the reality is, is that this idea of submission in our culture, in our context, this idea of submission is connected with ideas of weakness, with perspectives of weakness. If you submit, you're weak. You get taken advantage of. You become a doormat. In fact, we attach submission to, to being less worthy or less valuable. Why would we want to submit anything? The people who aren't in charge aren't as valuable as the people who are. The people who don't fight for themselves and make a way for themselves, they're overlooked and discarded. Why, why would I want to submit? It's a lie to think that we can, we can make a way for ourselves, but we still believe it. Even in the church, even amongst God's people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, even here we struggle with submitting. Now, before, before you tell me, well, no, really, I, I, I submit. I don't have a problem with submitting. Let's, let's just do some exercises. Let's just figure this out and let's, let's, let's see. How many of you speed? And I'm not talking just a lot. I'm not talking like 20 or 30 miles an hour over the speed line. I'm talking you feel okay with speeding by five or so miles per hour because you know that the cops don't care about that, right? Most of us. There's a few that won't. But we, we, we do that, right? How, how about, have you ever taken a pen or something that's inconsequential really from your work or from a friend of yours or from, from some, some, someone that owned it, that, something that, you didn't, that, that didn't belong to you? Have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Not, I'm not talking about grand theft uh, auto or I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about just something that's small and inconsequential. Have you ever taken a stamp that's not yours? Let somebody else pay your postage for a change. I, you know, speaking of mail, have you ever received a letter in the mail that was not addressed to you and you thrown it away? I can't tell you how often I, I mean, it's being recorded, so I shouldn't tell you how often I do that. This building gets a lot of mail that doesn't belong to this church. I throw it away all the time. I throw away a piece this morning. These are really inconsequential, really small things, right? But every time we take a rule that has been made and, and is, is a law or something that we're, we know that we're to obey and think, oh, you know what? It's not a big one. I can, I can let that one go. That's a demonstration of you not being willing to submit. You're fighting against it. Those are pretty small, pretty inconsequential. I don't think that's really what Paul's talking about. So let's just get a little closer to home. Let's, 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 let's get a little more intimate. How many of you show up regularly, maybe even weekly? Expect the church to be there for you when you struggle, but yet you won't join us in covenant with us. How many of you show up weekly, show up regularly? Enjoy the benefits of what God's doing among His people here. 
but yet you are not serving in any form or fashion. You come and take, but you don't serve. How many of you come and enjoy the things that God is doing, but never give a dime to support the work? Sitting in a heated building in the winter and a cool building in the summer, enjoying not having to load in and out of a school every week, Remember those days? It's sad to say there's some of you here. At the heart of that, at the heart of that is an unwillingness to submit your life to other believers. How many of you came last week? You heard the call, the command of God to be filled with the Spirit, to live your life as a blessing to His people, to sing songs to one another, to, to, to speak in psalms and, 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 and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, to, to honor God with music from your heart. How many of you heard the challenge to live with a grateful attitude in all you do and to submit to one another And you heard the triple dog dare. You read it in your inbox this week, but yet you didn't do it. How many? There is a lack of willingness to submit to one another. How many? How many of you are here? You regular attenders, you come weekly, come often. But you show up on Sunday, but you refuse to involve yourself in the life of the church past Sunday. That you won't involve yourself in a community group so that you can dig in and do life with other believers. How many of you that this is the only experience of God's people that you have week to week? How many? And lest we stand on our high horse, those of us that are members of a community group. How many of you really submit to the people in your group? I'm going to meet with this community group leaders today. And it's not just me. I mean, Dave's the elder of that. He's going to lead the meeting. But I'll be there. They've not asked me to say this. In fact, they might be, get upset if I say it because it's going to put them in an awkward position the next time you meet. But you know the number one struggle that they face? It's not loving you. They love you. They desire the best for you. The number one struggle they face is not, is not setting aside time for you and showing up every week and making sure that they're there. You know the one, number one discouragement that we hear from our community group leaders is that they prepare and they study and they're ready to discuss the truths of God's Word. But the people in the groups... Don't take time. And they won't come prepared to have discussion and to be an encouragement to the other believers in the room to sharpen one another, to sanctify one another. That we won't set time aside for one another to study the truths of God's Word so that we can come with something to bring instead of just looking to receive. At the heart of this, At the heart of this 
There's a lack of willingness to submit to one another. To be so concerned for one another that you live for one another's best interest. To be so concerned for one another that you set aside things that are meaningless and empty and have no eternal consequence so that you can live for God's glory for the benefit of your brothers and sisters. At the heart of this is a lack of willingness. To submit. Now, I'm not trying to single anybody out. That's not my intention. I'm not trying to even... I, I, I don't want to make this too heavy. Although I know there's awkwardness in the room right now. I'm not immune to that. I know that this is a difficult issue. I just want us to own it together. Let's just be real with one another. Let's just own it. I don't like to submit any more than you do. I've already admitted to mine. You you can admit to it. You can freely admit this. And you know what the reality is? Because I believe this church is a great church that recognizes the grace of God. You will still be loved. There are people still striving to love you in spite of it. There are still people serving you in spite of it. But let's own it. We are fallen and we don't really care as much about others as we care about ourselves. It's the truth, isn't it? You're in good company. Adam and Eve had the exact same problem. Is that who you want to stand with in the end? You know, Eve, she was deceived. She was lied to Man, that fruit looks good. And it's going to make me like God. Man, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? I'm going to be like God. Hmm, that sounds like a way better plan than ruling and subduing the earth. Sounds like a way better plan than filling it, being fruitful and multiplying. I just want to be like God without even recognizing it. I think with, with complete ignorance, probably. Just being deceived and wanting the fruit, wanting to be like God, she decided she was better. Her plan was better. She was no longer going to submit to a God who was keeping something from her. But Adam, man, the Bible tells us he was there. He was with her. She didn't want to be alone in that. You know, it's like, "Uh, I'm going to go my own way, but I don't want to go by myself. Hey, Adam, would you eat this with me? Adam. Didn't submit to his wife. Didn't didn't concern himself with her best interest. Didn't submit himself to her biggest need in that moment. He didn't stop her from eating. And he he definitely didn't submit himself to God's plan, all that God had said. And because of that, we're in good company. The reality is, is that there has never been a person that lived except for Christ that ever cared about somebody else more than themselves. Brothers and sisters, we, with the lot of humanity, don't want to submit. But that is exactly what Paul calls us to. 
That's exactly what he commands. So how in the world do we do it? How in the world do we get there? How do we see this fulfilled? How do we obey this command? We are to the very depths of who we are. We're broken in this way. Aversion to submission is more than a contextual issue. It's not just a cultural issue. It is a heart issue that we come by naturally and can only come, overcome supernaturally. We can't blame it on our context or our culture. We can't blame it on our parents or their parents. We can't, we can't blame it on anybody. The truth is that we are rebellious by our very nature to the very depths of who we are. We desire to rule ourselves. We desire to be our own God. We have not been equipped for this, though. And it's only ever going to cause us heartache. And the harder we try to rule ourselves, the worse off we'll be. But God has His answer. He has the answer. He's made provision for us. He's done the unthinkable. The One who said, let there be light, who existed always, who was there before the foundation of the world, the One who sees the beginning and the end, the One we call the Alpha and the Omega, this One This One who was the Word and in the beginning was with God. The Word who was God. This One who was the Word that became flesh, came and dwelt among us. And He submitted Himself as a servant for us and to us. The God of the universe came to serve you. That should blow your Mind. There is no God in all of history. There is no God that's been created by any man who has ever come and humbled himself in this way. Jesus did. And therein lies your answer. I just want to show you this in Scripture. I want, I want to walk through a few passages of Scripture so that you see it and can begin to get it more clearly than what we just simply see in this one phrase in Ephesians. In Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45, John and James, the brothers, the, the, the sons of thunder, as they're called, they are trying to, they're debating, they're, they're, they're wanting to be the greatest. You know, they're wanting to be at the Father's right, or they're, they're wanting to be at Jesus' right hand. They're wanting to be honored. And they're discussing this. And Jesus hears it and he's like, man, you guys don't get it. Gentiles, when they have authority, they lord it over one another. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Is that titles you're going to claim for yourself? Not naturally. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. We are preceded by a God who serves and calls us to this very thing. John 13, it's the Last Supper. Judas has not betrayed Jesus just yet. 
There's things going on. There's stuff happening. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands with full knowledge of who He is, with full knowledge of the authority that He had, with full knowledge that there was going to be a cross in His his very near future, with full knowledge that He was about to be betrayed, with full knowledge of all the events, He rose from supper. He laid aside His outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around His waist and He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. The God of the universe who wrapped Himself in flesh took on the role of the lowliest servant. And we know that it was an affront. We know that it was a problem because if you read just past that, Peter is like, whoa, Jesus, wait a minute. Don't do that. You can't wash my feet. He's shocked by it. After a little bit of discussion and correction, Jesus looks at His disciples and in verse 13, He says, You call Me Teacher and Lord, Rabbi and Master. Teacher and Master. That's what those two words are. And you are right. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He's not calling us to sit down and wash one of those feet specifically. He's calling us to be willing to get ourselves dirty and be demeaned in order to serve one another. Let the Lord bring you honor. Let your action demonstrate your service. See, that's what He's calling us to. Our identity is secure in Christ. We are saints. We are, we are chosen. We are adopted children of the Most High God. Let that be the source of your, your joy and your peace. And let your action be sacrificial, selfless, Service, he says. One last passage, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Do you understand what that means? Don't do anything in a sense of competition or to make yourself look better than your brothers or sisters. Don't go looking to serve yourself. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests. Don't deny your interests. Don't deny that you have needs and, and, and that there's things that have to happen in your life. But also, but also equal ground, the interests of others have this mind among yourselves. The command, have this mind among yourselves. That, man, here it is again. There's an example. Jesus called us to it. He's commanded it. He's, set the, he's, he's preceded us in it. How are we going to have this mind? How, how are we going to do it? He says, this mind is yours in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you were given a new nature. 
You are no longer the same as you used to be. You are now children of the light. You no longer walk in foolishness. You have the wisdom of God. You no longer are slaves to sin. You are slaves to righteousness. Brothers and sisters, you are a brand new being in Christ. That's the teaching of the Scripture. And in this new creation, you have the mind that is able, that is able to sacrifice, to serve which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was so serious about it that he allowed himself to be beaten and mocked and murdered. That's the example. He's calling us to pour ourselves out for one another. And he is telling us that we have this ability in Christ Jesus. Hear these words. Let them sink in on you. Let them wash over you. Let God's Spirit fill you with them and inscribe them on the depths of your heart. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is His Word Listen, this is not just some statement made in passing. It's not a a blip on the radar of this letter to the Ephesians. This is the eternal God humbling Himself and then calling us to the same humbling of ourselves for the good of others. Submission of our own will for God's glory and the good of others. Listen, it is the intended default position of every believer. It's the teaching of Scripture from start to finish. It's the expectation of your Savior. It's the result of the Spirit's indwelling and ongoing presence. Here's the truth. Here's here's the rub. You and I actually work against this because we don't like to submit. We have to actually oppose the Spirit We have to rebel against His will. We have to grieve Him. We have to quench Him. We have to look away from Him. Oh, submission, that's for somebody else. It's not for me. You see, this is the the reality of what what Christ has done in us through the power of His indwelling Spirit. This teaching is connected to the command to be filled with the Spirit. This this phrase is connected to that because the reality of the outcome of the Spirit's work in you is submission to one another. Until we submit to God's authority by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, until we submit to God and others, we will be individual Christians competing for God's blessing. Everything else will be done out of rivalry and conceit. Brothers and sisters, you have been given a place at the table. You have been invited to the feast of your King. 
You no longer have to scavenge for scraps in the trash can out back. Come in and take your seat. Live in the abundance and blessing of the Spirit. You don't have to fight for it. And believe it or not, there's more than enough to go around. We will all be satisfied. We don't have to fight and compete. We're not in a rivalry against one another. We get to serve. And you'll never run out of energy and power and strength to do it because the Spirit lives in you and empowers you for it. We don't have to be those individuals anymore. We, until we submit to God and submit to others, we will only be able to imagine what could be. Oh, you can read the Bible stories all day long. You can hear about His power and I can come to you with emotional cries. But until you submit, it's only going to be theoretical. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you follow this command, He will fill you in what you have heard in theory. You will know in reality. Until we do this, this is where we're at. For many of us, for most of us, it's the thing that holds us back from going any farther in the Lord. When we submit to God by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, when we submit to God by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, we will become a church that experiences being filled up by the Spirit. When we set ourselves aside, when we pour ourselves out, as an act of worship to our Savior for the good of one another. That's when we'll know what it is to be filled by the Spirit. We will be a church that knows the beauty of life on the other side of this command. We will be a people who know the power and the grace of our God, who know the breadth and length and height and depth of His love, or at least are catching glimpses of it that no one else is seeing because they're too, too stuck in their own pursuits of joy and happiness. Until, until we surrender, until we submit, we're stuck. When we do, the power and the promises of God will become a reality that you will never see coming. Practically speaking, let's just let me deal with this quickly. How does this work out? Mutual submission. Let me, let me start with some it's not statements. Mutual submission does not mean, does not mean you never say no. It doesn't mean that the, that at times you someone comes to you with a request and you say, no, it doesn't mean that. In fact, sometimes the very best thing you can do for someone is say no. The reason we don't say no more often is because we don't want to be disliked, which is really a selfish, unsubmissive attitude. Right? Well, if I say no, they're not going to accept me anymore. They're not going to be my friend. They may quit coming to my community group. They may, they may unfriend me off of Facebook. They... they I don't know. All kinds of reasons. Mutual submission does not mean you never say no. Mutual submission does not mean you never confront one another. 
the very same scriptures that teach us to submit to one another are the very same scriptures that teach us to love one another enough to confront one another, to bring truth to one another. How many of you think that I just looked forward to coming up here and preaching this message today? Man, like to have called in sick. I said that this week earlier, thinking I was preaching about wives in submission, but I'd rather be back talking about sex. That's a whole lot easier. Mutual submission does not mean you never confront one another. In fact, again, that is an act of selfishness. To, to not confront, to not bring truth, to not love one another in, in, in gracious and truthful ways, it's an act of selfishness. It's an act of a, a willing, an unwillingness to submit yourself to another because you are more afraid of what will happen when you confront. Mutual submission does not mean no one ever exercises authority. In fact, the passages that are coming, they demonstrate how exercising authority and mutual submission work hand in hand. And you're going to see that over the next, well, we're going to take a break for Easter, but there's three, four, five sermons coming that will demonstrate how mutual submission and the exercise of authority are one and the same. And I just thought of this. I, I, I'm just going to say it quickly. It's not on the screen. Mutual submission does not mean making yourself so busy in the church that you can't do something to the best of your ability. So I think there's people that have that tendency. Why do you make yourself so busy? Mutual submission is all about not looking good necessarily. It's all about doing the thing that Christ has called you to do to the absolute best of your ability. Willing to give up some of yourself for the good of others. Mutual submission does not, does mean, I'm sorry, this is, does mean, mutual submission does mean that we voluntarily live with one another's best interests in mind in obedience to and honor of Jesus. We live for the glory of Christ and the good of others. That's mutual submission. Brothers and sisters, that is what you are called to. Brothers and sisters, that's what God's Spirit is empowering you to do. Brothers and sisters, that's what you are now responsible to do. And I just want you to think of one last implication. Think of how different this will look for the world when we get it right. God's power and His grace so real and tangible that when a person walks through these doors... They experience it. Not just in some emotional music set, but in a life-changing, eternally consequential way that when they walk out, they will never be able to think of God's church, His people, the same. Our world, our culture, our context specifically needs the church that will submit to one another so that they can see it in action. Let's pray. Father God, You're good and gracious. We know we don't deserve we, we We've confessed that. We continually confess that. But we know You have looked at us and seen, uh, given us value and, and been good to us, God. 
Would you in these moments as we've as we've dealt with these issues and and work through this process, God, would you in these moments just shore us up in your grace? Remind us that that's where we stand. And that's the source of our identity. Father, would you would you convict us as needed, call us to repentance and encourage us that we have the power to walk in it, that you're enabling us for it. Father, if there's one here today that's never trusted in you, that's never believed in you, would you not hear them a law to come and obey, but would you would you allow them to hear your heart, your great love for your people, your great provision for our failure, and the great hope we have to be able to sit at your table, to enjoy the abundance of walking with you. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.